0: Next Sunday, September 12th, we will begin the next pre- preaching cycle from the narrative lectionary. Uh, it's a four-year cycle, and every year picks up in the fall and then goes through uh, uh, through the, um, the day of Pentecost. Um, but today, since this is the Labor Day weekend, I've chosen some texts that have to do with uh, uh, taking a holiday from labor. I know... The formal holiday has more to do with unions and such, but but typically uh, uh, we know it to be a day of um, of a holiday and that should come with some rest. So I want to think about that a little bit. A couple of years back, I read a book by Brian McLaren and Tony Campolo, a pretty interesting book. It doesn't have anything to do with our text, but I love the title and the focus of the book. Adventures in Missing the Point. Adventures in Missing the Point. Well, in the text that we're going to read today, the Jewish leaders that Jesus is dealing with uh, missed the point. Totally. Uh, But before we get too harsh and come down too harshly on them, uh, we should realize that we haven't done much better. We've kind of missed the point as well about this issue. And the issue is Sabbath. Now for the Jewish leaders, Sabbath, uh, the Hebrew word for Shabbat is to cease or to rest or to stop, Uh, had to do with regulating how much work you could get away with, what the limits were, and and what that looked like without violating the Scriptures. They created this very elaborate code of 39 different types of work that was prohibited, and these were the specific situations of what you could and you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And they had added so many restrictions to what the Sabbath was about that it ended up being a burden rather than a blessing. Rather than giving rest and refreshment, uh, their legalism had made it almost a type of a slavery. In their desire to protect the Sabbath, they had actually corrupted it. And then Jesus comes along, And he doesn't throw out the Sabbath. He was accused of abusing the Sabbath laws, but he actually fulfilled them in the way that God had intended from the very beginning. And so he shows us what Sabbath is truly all about. Now, we're going to read a text from Matthew, and then we're going to read a text from Mark. In Matthew, it's one text, but the the second story I'm going to jump over and grab from Mark because uh there's some phrases that are particularly useful and I think it's a little shorter and it'll be helpful for our understanding uh, uh for uh, for what we're gonna do today. So we're gonna start reading from Matthew chapter eleven, verses twenty eight through thirty, and then jump over to Mark chapter two. Uh you can find it in your Bible uh on your device or it should be on the screen in just one second. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And then Mark chapter 2, verses 23 and following. This is the same story that we would have read immediately following this text in Mark in Matthew, but uh, I'm going to read it from Mark. One day, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was priest, And broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So Jesus begins this section in Matthew chapter 11 by offering relief to tired people. Uh, I I don't know how you feel and how you've been faring during the pandemic, but doctors have begun referring to people who are tatted, and I don't refer to tattoos, T-A-T-T, tired all the time. When you're working from home, and your kids are at home, and everybody is at home, And the space is limited. It seems like it's just never ending, just always there. And so then Jesus says to all of us, even in the middle of a pandemic, come to me, all you who are fatigued and overwhelmed. Come to me, all you who are exhausted and weighed down beneath your burdens. Come to me, all you who are barely coping and need a break. Come to me, all you who are tatted, tired all the time. Notice that Jesus didn't say go to God. (laughs) He says, come to me. Because ultimately, God is the one that can save us. It's God's actions that began the process of Sabbath rest. But Jesus is so fully confident that he and God are one that he says, if you need to get to God, you can come to me. And I have the answer for your souls. Now, the rest that Jesus offers looks a little different than what you and I might define as rest. Because, you see, when we talk about rest, we think about doing nothing. That's how you get rest. You plop down on the couch, you turn the TV on and you zone out. Well, Jesus says, if you want to find rest, come to me and I will give it to you. And I'll give it to you in the form or in the shape of a yoke, which is an instrument used to plow fields. And Jesus is indicating that rest doesn't come from inaction. Rest does not necessarily mean do nothing. And we'll talk a little bit later about what kind of rest Jesus does offer. The the story that follows is where the Pharisees criticize Jesus because he allows his disciples to break the law. And we know that Jesus wouldn't allow that. He broke some of their traditions. And, And rather than trying to get into a theological argument about what is right and wrong on Sabbath, he says, Well, you remember David, the king? Well, he broke the law, he took what wasn't supposed to be for him. And Jesus justifies his actions by pointing to David's actions. And then he makes the two statements that are particularly clear in Mark. The Sabbath was made to meet our needs. It was made for us. Rest was made because we need it. And then secondly, Jesus as Lord has the authority to decide what we do and don't do on the day that the Lord has made Now, these words, being weary, heavy laden, bearing a heavy yoke, are are terms that are all associated with a consumer society or a society that's focused on producing, endless production. I mean, these are the words that describe a world of stores that are open all night. 24-7, 365 and and now that so many people are working at home when do you ever go home if now work is at home well for some rather than allowing more free time working from home has expanded work and office to now encompass what you do where you live interestingly that kind of world This kind of world, the 24-7, 365 world, was exactly the context out of which the Sabbath was born. The the Jews were barely surviving under the heavy-handed reign of Pharaoh. They were slaves, and as slaves they had no voice, they had no vote, and the only thing that they existed to do was to fulfill Pharaoh's desire of leaving a Greater impact on the world, making his name great, making a shrine that will last for eternity and at least until the year 2021, as we look at some of the pyramids and other structures that were left. But as slaves, they had no time to worship or to rest. And so when God instructs Moses to talk to Pharaoh, one of the reasons that he wanted Pharaoh to let his people go was so that they go that they could go and make this three-day journey into the wilderness so that they could hold a feast to celebrate and worship God. Well, once they were finally liberated from Pharaoh's hand, God began this rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest. The purpose of the day was to give refreshment and uh, rest from their labors. Uh, God created for six days and then on the seventh day he ceased from creating but you know one of the points that we sometimes miss has to do with what God did on the seventh day the perception is that God did nothing he stopped and he just rested a teacher was quizzing her preschool class on the story of creation and asked what God did on the seventh day a three-year-old raised her hand said, well, I think he mowed the grass. Well, that might be what your dad does, but that's not what God did. But what did he do? Did he really just do nothing? Well, did the world stop spinning on the seventh day? Did the sun not come up and did the sun not set on the seventh day? Was there not air to breathe on the seventh day? Everything that we need for life existed on the seventh day, And continues even through our time. And so to help us understand what did God do on the seventh day, we could ask the question, what did God do on the eighth day and the ninth day and the tenth day and the two millionth day? He is being God. He is reigning. He is the king. He is the king of the universe and he's king of us. And he is sustaining and maintaining our lives and the entire universe. And so God ceased from creating but he didn't cease from doing and he didn't cease from being and he didn't cease from working and so when God gave these instructions about what to do and what not to do on the Sabbath day the thing that he was trying to get was that this was a day that he put in place to benefit to refresh his people, but that meaning got lost, got lost on the Jews. And then when early Christian followers transitioned the Hebrew Sabbath into the Christian Sunday, they carried those adventures and missing the point with them. Constantine was the first who prohibited work on Sunday. But as the centuries went, it went way beyond work. Continuing with the traditions of the Pharisees, the Puritans in colonial America who founded this country uh, didn't only allow work not to happen, but they also prohibited all kinds of other things. Some of you will remember the blue laws. Uh, as some people think they were called blue because they were written on blue paper, but it was most likely because... The word blue had to do with extremely strict or rigidly moral laws. But they not only prohibited work, but they also prohibited activities like shopping on Sunday. And then they prohibited any kind of entertainment or leisure activities on Sunday. Games, sports, traveling, hunting and fishing were also prohibited. Basically, anything that you would do to have fun was prohibited. Some of you might remember growing up that you weren't allowed to go to the movies on Sunday or you weren't allowed to play cards on Sunday. Even today, there are certain states and certain areas that have limits on what you can do for part of the day or all of the day on Sunday. Sale of hard liquor is one. But some states prohibit car sales on Sunday. I don't know how cars got hooked up with liquor, but it's the way it is. Now, one of the many ironies of church life is that Christians from the pulpit are discouraged from working on Sunday. And yet, after Sunday, where does everyone want to go to have lunch? Well, at a restaurant. So we're not supposed to work, but we want other people to work so that they can provide service for us. There are some restaurants and stores that choose to close on Sunday following the Jewish habit of not working on that day. But the whole idea is that Sabbath was created for us, not to put a heavy burden on us, but to provide refreshment for our souls. But in today's world, for many Christian churches... We've just pretty much abandoned the concept of Sabbath. And we've abandoned everything that God had intended. Without Sabbath, we return to becoming slaves of this world and their bottom line. The world will constantly push, and so Sabbath must be intentional and deliberate. And, and when Jesus broke with the traditions of the law... He faithfully kept the Sabbath, but he showed us what God intended. You know, Jesus kept all ten of the Ten Commandments, and he kept them perfectly. And if you think through the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath command is number five. And it serves as kind of the hinge and the connection, because the first four laws have to do with our relationship with God, the last Five laws have to do with our... Or commands have to do with our relationship with loving people. And the Sabbath is a bit of the both. Because when we look at Jesus, what we see on the Sabbath... He loved God. He would go to synagogue and he would set aside time to worship. But then he also loved others. And he loved himself. He spent the day eating, healing, laughing enjoying life. And so a good use of the concept or the day of Sabbath would be to spend it loving God and loving others. But in a 24-7, 365 world, what does that look like? In a world where you are at your boss's beck and call through a text or an email or a phone call, Where your office is your home, and everything you do is somehow centered on work. Well, the Sabbath is about finding a rhythm in life. It's setting aside time for renewal, for rest, for refreshing. Does it have to be the seventh day? Does it have to be the first day? Well, everybody's week looks different. I remember the first time I realized that the Sabbath was not a day of rest for the priests who worked in the temple. Uh, They they were busy coveting up animals. They were busy tending to the fires. They were busy cleaning up the temple. Uh, They had to find their day of rest some other day. As we live in this 24-7, 365 world, I, I think we need to honor and bring back the concept of Sabbath in our lives But it's going to look different for every single person. Every day there needs to be this time of rest and renewal, then every week. And think about what gives you life. God, first and foremost, spending time praising and worshiping and recognizing him. Albert Schweitzer once wrote, if your soul has no Sunday, it becomes an orphan. If you don't have a day to think about your spiritual father, whether it's the entire day, whether it's Sunday, whether you're watching this transmission on Monday or Wednesday or whatever day of the week it is, we need this rhythm of every week finding time for rest and renewal. But not only is the Sabbath about God, it's also about serving others, about showing mercy, about loving yourself and loving God the friends and family that surround you. It's a day to feed the hungry, to visit the lonely, to help the hurting. That's exactly what Jesus did on his Sabbaths. So so without Sabbath, we become slaves to the gods of this consumer world that surrounds us and that thinks it owns us. And our challenge is to listen to the invitation of Jesus to come to him and find rest for our souls. And Jesus doesn't invite us to do nothing. He invites us to join him in fulfilling the Sabbath by loving God and loving others on this day, beginning from the first day of the week and continuing all the way to the last day of the week. The invitation of Jesus is to come to him. And if we can help in that way, please send a message via text or uh, you can put it in the chat or you can speak with any one of our elders or ministers that are here today. Uh, uh, The invitation is to come to Jesus because in him you will find rest. We're going to have a song and then um, our our brother uh, elder um, Jeff Henson will come and lead us in prayer. God bless your day.